Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is uh, shortly after 2 o'clock on a Wednesday. In fact, just gone 11 minutes past 2. And at this time, of course, it is time for Judaism 101.9. It's my honor to be with you and to share some thoughts with you today, especially about some big upcoming events, um, including Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, which takes place on Monday. We'll chat about that in a moment. But uh, we started a little bit of a mini-series um, a couple of weeks ago, going through Pirkei Avot, the ethics of our fathers, and not actually going through every detail of them, but touching on some lessons that can be learned <coughs> in Pirkei Avot, ethics of our fathers, that we can share with each other, um, especially at this time when everybody is studying, looking at Pirkei Avot, Ethics of Our Fathers, because we do that every Shabbos afternoon, particularly between Pesach and Shavuot. And so therefore, this coming week, we are up to chapter number three, the third Perik, the third chapter of Pirkei Avot, of Ethics of Our Fathers. And I'll look at, we'll take a look at one of the Mishnayot, which has some very, very important messages for us in our day-to-day behaviors and in our Judaism 101.9 perspective on life in general. In other words, thinking about or going back to the basics of what this Mishnah, what these Mishnayot actually teach us and how we're supposed to integrate them in every, every which way into our very lives. Um, but perhaps let's begin with a word about Pesach Sheni. Now, the festival of Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, by the way, <coughs> excuse me, always occurs just a few days before Lag Omer. And so next week, Friday, Friday a week will be Lag Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. But we will chat about that perhaps in next week's um, shir and next week's uh, show, next week's Judaism 101.9. But today, let's deal with Pesach Sheni because it comes up before we have a chance to speak again next week. What was Pesach Sheni? What is it actually all about? Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach, you know, most people, if you uh, just had to hint at the fact that there could be the possibility of a second Pesach, they'd start tearing the hair out. It is uh, quite a daunting thought. No, it wasn't the idea of having to keep Pesach twice. It was the idea, rather, of those who happened to miss out on Pesach 1, who had the opportunity to keep Pesach 2. And what were we talking about? Well, it actually came about in the first year that the Jewish people were out of Egypt. We had quit Egypt um, one year, and the following year at Pesach time, Jewish people came to explore how they were going to observe Pesach. And many became aware of the fact that there was a possibility that uh, people had become impure. Um, now, they had learned the laws of impurity only, of course, after the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And one of the ideas of impurity, of course, is contact with the dead. Now, if anybody had come into contact with the dead, there was a state of impurity. They knew that there was um, all sorts of uh, rules and regulations as to how people would become purified. And while they were studying it, while they were looking at it and thinking about putting it into practice after that first year, Many approached Moshe Rabbeinu, they came to Moses and they said, what is going to be or what would happen if a person was unable to bring the Pesach offering first time round? If uh, the date occurred 
And for whatever reason, a person was in a state of impurity. Now, the impurity might have been uh, contact with the dead. The impurity might have been um, something less um, uh, than that as well. Or the impurity might have been, or the distance might have been, the fact that a person was just far away, that a person had undertaken a trip, hadn't managed to get back, um, wasn't back in time. You know, um, we got very used to, up until about a year ago, we got very used to the idea that you could get anywhere very quickly. Nowadays, uh, with uh, COVID, unfortunately, over the last year, it can sometimes take a lot longer. Someone was chatting to me the other day about how it took him nearly a month to get somewhere in Australia uh, from South Africa because of the stopovers and the various quarantines and uh, so on. Um, it is not a joke, and uh, today it can take a lot longer to get any place. Um, and therefore, we uh, have to bear in mind that in days gone by, people sometimes were waylaid by storms or by uh, uh, natural disasters or by a general uh, breakdown. I mean, I don't know if the camel fell. Um, once uh, entourage perhaps was delayed for a week and perhaps until it recuperated or you could buy another camel or whatever it was in the way that people transported themselves across great distances in times gone by. And therefore, people were acutely aware of the fact that it was possible that a person might have gone away. He might have been perhaps on a business trip. Perhaps he was away for a simcha. And perhaps there was the uh, pending uh, festival, the Chag of Pesach, coming up. People needed to make the pilgrimage and get to Yerushalayim, and maybe they couldn't make it in time. And they didn't get there um, on the appointed day, and they weren't um, able to, therefore, bring their Pesach offering. Now, the people appealed to Moshe Rabbeinu. They came along to Moses, and they said... Why should we be jeopardized? Why should we be jeopardized? We uh, wanted to bring the Pesach offering. We have every intention of doing it. We love God. We love Pesach. We don't want to miss out. And now you're uh, telling us that just because we're in a state of impurity or because I couldn't get there, that kind of Pesach falls away for a year. Yes, I can hear everybody saying, oh, wow, how wonderful if we could just uh, bring that about now and uh, not have to change over the house and clean out for chametz and eat all those funny foods for the duration of the week. But seriously, think about it in your heart of hearts if you were to miss out on a Pesach um, in your soul. I'm sure you would yearn for it. You would uh, want it because Jews want to do mitzvahs and they want to do things like Pesach, which has so much to it. And here the Jewish people came begging to Moshe. They said, Moses, it's not going to sit well with us. It's not right. How are we going to face ourselves if we're jeopardized in this way and we miss out on this once a year incredible spiritual experience? And the answer came back that there would be something called Pesach Sheni, the second Pesach. One month later, on the 14th of Iyar, you will have the opportunity, if you didn't have the opportunity on the 14th of Nisan, to bring the Pesach offering one month later on the 14th of Iyar, you can do so. You're not going to change over your houses. You don't have to clean out for chametz, but you would eat the Pesach, you would bring the Pesach offering and you would eat it um, in a very, very similar fashion to the way that it was done. First time around, and this was the opportunity to make up and to send the message that uh, all is not lost, that there is never a situation in Judaism where um, it is too late, where it's over, where you can't make reparation, where you can't do repairs, where you can't fix what may be missing and what may be broken. And this is the message of Pesach Sheni. 
It comes out this coming Monday. And the way that we keep it today is that on Monday, we do not say penitential prayers. We don't say tachanun. But in addition to that, we eat some matzah. That's all we got to do. Eat a little bit of matzah with one of your meals on Pesach Sheni. And we have done the trick. Now, knowing your COVID status doesn't need to be costly or to take forever. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. As we said at the beginning of the show, and this, of course, is Judaism 101.9 uh, with Rabbi Michael Katz here. Uh, great to be back with you. And we are talking about things Jewish in every which way, but particularly from a basics point of view, Judaism 101.9, that's what it's all about. And we discussed in the first part about Pesach Sheni coming up um, on this coming Monday. But we also mentioned briefly in our introduction that at the end of next week, Friday, is Lag Bomer. Lag Bomer, one of the things that it commemorates is the uh, passing, the yard site of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And I would like to share with you today a quote, a Mishnah, from Pirkei Avot, from the Ethics of Our Fathers, Chapter 3, which is going to be studied in all shuls around the world on this coming Shabbos afternoon. Chapter 3 has a quote from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Shimon, the famous sage who, hiding from the Romans, for many, many years spent time just together with his son. And this is relevant to this Mishnah. He spent time with his son in a cave. They didn't have that much to eat, and there were only the two of them for all those years, and they spent their time discovering and discussing Torah and the esoteric parts of Torah, mysticism, Kabbalah, and so on, to the extent that they were, by and large, able to remove themselves almost entirely from this physical world in the most incredible way, so much so that when they came out of that cave, they found the world very, very difficult to relate to. <clears throat> but here is a Mishnah. Um, in the name of Rabbi Shimon, so it's part of Ethics of Our Fathers, part of the Pirkei Avot, and part, therefore, of the teachings of the basic ethics, the basic morals, the basic uh, behaviors that are incumbent upon each and every one of us as Jews. And we have said before that Pirkei Avot, the Ethics of Our Fathers, really, in a great way, encapsulates what Judaism really is all about. Um, it is not only about keeping kosher and uh, keeping uh, Pesach and uh, uh, putting on tefillin every day. Yes, of course, that plays a huge role. But it's about living our lives according to a higher standard, uh, living our lives in a godly fashion. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in this particular Mishnah, gives us this message in a very, very direct and yet quite a profound fashion. Because the Mishnah says, and it is the third Mishnah in chapter 3, it says, Rabbi Shimon Omer, we're quoting Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he said, If there are three who ate food at one table, and they didn't say words of Torah at that table, it is as though they have eaten from the offerings to the dead or for the dead. As it is written, as it is said, all tables are full of filth where there is no mention of the omnipresent. But if three people ate at the same table and their words, words of Torah, 
It's as though they have eaten at the divine table. They've eaten literally with God, at the table of God. For it is written, as it says, um, and he said to me, this is the table before God. Now, let's remember that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, perhaps reflecting something that he himself had as a major axiom in life, was um, brought about by the fact that he and his son, as we said, for all those years, stuck in the cave, there were only the two of them. They never had the opportunity to have three people eating together. And here he is talking about three, three people eating together. So reflective of his particular circumstances. But what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is telling us here is that there is something very important about the fact that three people eat together. Now we know that in Judaism, and this is Judaism 101.9, that in Judaism 101.9 there is a very important idea, an ideal of when three people eat together. We call it a mezuman. Mezuman meaning that it is by invitation. When three people have been invited or invited each other to join together in a meal, this can only be by invitation. You know, if a person just goes out for a snack and eats casually, that's one thing. If perhaps you're walking out of the office and you say to your buddy, come along and join me for a snack or for a bite across the road, at the kosher restaurant, you know that um, it is um, also possibly, by chance, possibly casual. But when three people get together, if three people join each other, this wasn't by chance. There had to be an invitation. This was by invitation. And the only way he perhaps is alluding to that three Jews should get together to eat a meal is really that they should be getting together for a higher purpose. What is that higher purpose? The higher purpose could be to discuss how they are going to give more charity. The higher purpose could be to discuss communal matters, things about their particular shul or community or how to help um, with a particular program, whatever the case may be. But ultimately, why do three Jews get together is to learn Torah. People and invitations should be focused primarily on higher ideals. We don't just get together in a hairy casual kind of a fashion when we are arranging a group. A group doesn't just get together for um, uh, to play games or to have fun or uh, to uh, do idle chatter or whatever. Jews get together, says Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to learn Torah, to fulfill mitzvot, to discuss things of tzedakah and communal matters. That's why Jews get together. Now, when that is the kind of table that you're setting up, you are setting up a very different kind of a table and you're having a very different kind of a meal to a meal that is just for the sake of tasting the steak, just for the sake of getting involved in the food. It is not all about the food and the physical and here, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, of course, is giving us a very, very important message which needs to come through loud and clear to listeners and to participants in Judaism per se, and certainly in Judaism 101.9. And that is that there is a necessity at all times when we are engaged in things of a physical nature in this 
beautiful world that God has given us. And he's given us all the things of a physical material world to utilize. But we've got to realize that the ultimate purpose of their utilization is to serve a much higher purpose, to serve God, to be doing something that is spiritual. And to remember that it is for the betterment of our souls and of our spiritual lives and of our um, spiritual well-being, of our godliness, that is the ultimate purpose. Why do we eat? We don't eat in order just to uh, gain weight. We don't eat in order to just feel good. We don't eat in order to just taste the delicious food. We eat in order to serve God. We eat in order to make our tables into a shulchan shalmokam, to make our tables into a godly, divine space. And it also brings to mind the very important factor within all of Judaism, and that is the sanctity, the sacredness with which we hold a table. A table in general, just by the way, you often see people who will sit on a table. Jews should not sit on tables. We have a tradition that we don't sit on tables. Why? Because a table is a like a mizbeach. It's like an altar, and particularly a dining room table, and particularly a table on which you learn Torah, and particularly a table on which you are going to make your spiritual offering, in inverted commas, of your Shabbos meal. But it doesn't only have to be the Shabbos meal. It's at any time. When people get together to eat from a Jewish point of view, it is getting together in order to serve the Almighty, it's in order to provide some kind of a spiritual service. The table is like an altar. The table is set up and is there as a formal mizbeach. It is a place where we are bringing an offering to God. What are we there for? We are not there for just um, to stuff our faces, so to speak. We're not there for uh, simple uh, gratification uh, uh, and f- fulfillment of our lusty desires to eat and to, in inverted commas, as people used to say, to pig out. That's not what we're about. We are about something much higher. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai brings us home in this beautiful and powerful and important Mishnah. But he tells us that it's Shloishashach, that it's three who eat. Our sages explore this a little bit further and they say, well, even if two eat and maybe even if one eats, of course, that has to apply. But how much more so when three? When you've got three Jews getting together, when you've got three people gathering together, there is this idea of zimun, of mezuma, of being invited. There's this idea of having gone out of your way to make an arrangement to have a meal together. There has to be a higher purpose to that. We cannot sit down to a meal without there being words of Torah, Rabbi Shimon is telling us. And in fact, that is Judaism 101.9. It is really basics of Judaism. We need to, when we sit down to our table, we need to make sure that there are words of Torah. Now, we've got to remember that um, it is part of Jewish tradition that in our prayers, we have added in words of Torah. You know, part of our daily prayers have words of Torah. We have verses that we say from the Torah. Now, in a way, therefore, while we are praying, we're also fulfilling the mitzvah, the obligation to learn, to study Torah. There is something similar in our Birkat Amazon, in our blessings after, after our meals, our grace after meals. We are actually quoting certain verses of Torah. So automatically, 
by fulfilling the mitzvah of being grateful and uh, sanctifying God and thanking Hashem after a meal, for the meal, saying our grace after meals, we have in fact fulfilled this mitzvah. We've done what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai has asked us. We have done the mitzvah of learning Torah and therefore we're not allowing our tables to become a, a zibchei mesim. We're not allowing our tables to become um, altars or offerings to the dead, but rather they are levitic, they're alive. But how much more so should we increase in this? And think about that it's not just to be left up to the Birkat Amazon, the grace of the meals, the uh, sanctification that we say at the end of the meal, but rather that the during the meal one should tell a beautiful story, one should get one involved and get others involved in learning a vote, in sharing something from Torah, in a discussion of that nature. This is really what Jews should be centered on. We should be centered on the um, the upliftment, the growth, the spiritual sustenance, the life force, the real life force of ourselves, our lives, the lives of our families and our communities, much rather than simply seeing to or just thinking about how we are going to stuff ourselves and how we're going to fill our bellies and how we're going to eat lahavdil. Uh, uh, God forbid to compare, but in the way that animals actually eat in order just to sustain their hunger pangs and in order just to keep them um, feeling satiated, satisfied, filled, that's not how Jews eat. Here's the advice from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Live your life according to a higher purpose. Have your table um, as, a, um, as, a, as, a, as an altar before Hashem and make sure that then you are actually dwelling with God Almighty at that time. And this is why when we have a Zimun, when we have a Mazuman, when we have three people eating together, we actually extend our Birkat Amazon. We actually do something to make it more formal. There is a formal uh, Birkat Amazon that takes place because we want to accentuate, we want to underscore and underline the fact that this is a godly table an altar, an offering, rather than just something that is animalistic and materialistic. Be back with you in a moment. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. One other important point that I'd like to share with you today about this particular Mishnah that we've been discussing. We've been discussing, discussing the third Mishnah in the third chapter of Pirkei Avot, of the Ethics of Our Fathers, in the name of Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, who tells us that if three people ate at a table and there were no words of Torah that were said there, it was as if they had eaten Mesim from the offerings of the dead or to the dead. Now, if we think about what this perhaps could be taken to mean, you know, everything that God creates, He creates for us to elevate. Now, if we think about the um, idea of actually eating food, the whole purpose of the eating of that food is in order to elevate that food and almost in a way to give that food legs, to give that food a life, to take that food and inject into it some kind of a life force. Now, we're looking at it the other way around. We ingest the food and the food becomes part of our flesh and blood, it becomes part of us, and in that way, it invigorates, it enlivens us. It's one of the reasons why it's so important that our food is kosher, that our food is correct. Why? Because 
Otherwise, we're getting our nurture, our nourishment from uh, negative impulses, from negative forces, from negative um, spirituality. We, God forbid, don't want that. It could bring out uh, the worst within us. We're taking on board um, certain spiritual elements that are embedded in this kosher food. We need to make sure that it is 100% kosher. And one of the uh, finer uh, views, in fact, of kosher food is that not only must the food be kosher, but it's also got to be eaten in the correct way. And this is one of the correct ways that we're talking about here in this mission of Rabbi Shimon. It is not just about ensuring that the food is kosher, but making sure that it is, in inverted commas, eaten in a kosher way. Not in a gluttonous fashion, and not, God forbid, in a way whereby we are not enlivening that food. We're not bringing life to it. Because when it is eaten correctly, when we are um, uh, utilizing words of Torah at the time, when we say our blessings before and afterwards, when we make sure that our intention in this eating is for a higher, for a godly purpose, we give life to that food. And here, God forbid, if we don't, perhaps we are really cutting that food off in a way. We are killing it off in a sense. Yes, you're going to argue it's dead already, but there's the opportunity that we have through ingesting it, through eating it. Whatever that food is, we have the opportunity to invigorate it, to enliven it, to make it part and parcel of the mitzvot, of the Torah learning that we are going to do, of the mitzvot that we're going to do, of the good deeds that we're going to do, of the acts of kindness that we're going to do. And so then the food that we have eaten gets that kind of merit as well. Now, if we just take it and we simply eat it, and we don't have that higher intention, and we don't do it in the correct fashion, and there are no words of Torah, we keep it in inverted commas in that dead state. We leave it in that state of zibchei mesim, of the offerings of the dead. That is really where we've left it. It is kind of pointless. It is kind of going nowhere. It's meaningless. It is not going to bear spiritual fruit. It simply will and possibly does invigorate and satiate the body in a sense, but it does nothing for the soul. And this is what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is pointing out to us. Let's make sure that whatever we eat, but it's not just about eating, whatever we do, whatever we're involved with, whatever we say, whatever we have as a regular or irregular behavior, we need to make sure that it has this higher purpose, this higher realm. It is in that way that we bring life to all of these things, to every feature of this incredible world that God has blessed us with. And in that way, we bring the world to its ultimate purpose and to its fruition. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that. And I'll be back with you to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So as I guess with every day, um, any day could just be any day. If we think about this coming Monday, which is Pesach Sheni, we know it as a, in inverted commas, a minor festival. It is a small Chag. It could just be another Monday. But we could take it and we could turn it into something grand, into something spiritual, just by thinking about what it represents, the idea that it's never too late, the idea that we can always return, the idea that we can always make a godly spiritual comeback. We Nothing is ever gone and done and dusted and lost from a Jewish point of view. 
And at the same time, we think about this exceptional Mishnah that we've been discussing from Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai about how we need to make sure that when we sit and eat together, that there are words of Torah present. It too is about turning the ordinary into something exceptional. And is this not really what we are thinking about time of Pesach Sheini, as well as at the time of the learning of Pirkei Avot. And in fact, if we think about our brief, our mandate, our reason for existence that was given to us by God Almighty himself, we are meant to make everything exceptional. We're meant to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. We're meant to take the mundane, the physical, and turn it into something spiritual. We're meant to take our meals, our food, and invigorate them with a life force, with a godliness, by discussing Torah, by being involved in all the right things, by utilizing the energy that that food gives us for good stuff. In that way, we make sure that the food that we have eaten, the things that God has blessed us with, become part of this much higher purpose, this offering, this altar, this mizbeach, this uh, incredibly powerful connection with God Almighty himself. And this is what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai really wanted us to understand. This is what he wanted us to live with, what he wanted to feature in our lives, that our lives have a higher purpose, that they have a higher meaning by taking the mundane, by taking the simple, by making it into something exceptional and something extraordinary. This is what he charged us with. This is what he briefed us to do. And this is what we need to bear in mind every single day of our lives. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, a wonderful Pesach Sheni next Monday, this coming Monday. And please God, very soon we'll be back together again talking about things Jewish on Judaism 101.9. Take care and see you again next week.